You are my fire, my one desire. I don't know any more words. I want it that way. That was nice. Turn this into a a live music production podcast. (laughs) Oh, was it recording? Welcome to Opinions That No One Asked For, or the, the, or Ought No For, that podcast. can't remember what it's called, <laughs> whatever. My name is McKay. And my name is Jordan. And this is a show where two guys sit down and talk about anything from James Harden to political insurrection attempts mm. to corn on the cob or off the cob. <laughs> All the important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get off the cob? It's like some black market shady stuff. Off the cob? You don't buy it off the cob. Corn off the cob. What do you mean? You buy no it one, in a no can. One, <laughs> <laughs> no one advertises it like that, though. That's true. Corn Un- off the uncob it. Oh. What if you want to buy the Uncobbed. cob without the corn? This is important. much more important than I want, the other I want topics the corn I mentioned. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be the name of my uh, my 30 for 30 ESPN life documentary, <laughs> McKay, Without the Cop. <laughs> yeah, this dude's hardcore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could say that. Remind me to never piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the cop. Um, so, how's your week been? I feel like we recorded like 40 minutes ago. I, I literally have no memories between minutes. the last recording and the current recording. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. flown by. Time has gone fast. Um, Which is weird because this was the first week of school. First week of school. It was just, you know, just like yeah. another couple days. It is what it is. Um, it was good. It was good to be back in school. Um, it's like, it's it's always good to go back because you like see your friends and stuff. Um, Do you see friends at school? I feel like okay. I feel like in college, going back to class means time away from time when I see friends because I don't see anyone. I, I think maybe twice in my college or career have I seen someone in a class that I knew without knowing beforehand that they were going to be in that class. Yeah, yeah. Know? I don't know. I see people. You have way more friends than I do. I'm pretty popular. If I don't I guess. see you or my wife. I actually don't see anyone I know. So <laughs> or my mom, I guess. <laughs> That's all the people I know. I think. Occasionally, occasionally I'll see friends <laughs> on campus. But you mean just like everyone? Everyone's back. I get you. Yeah. In in the uh, environment, in the physical <laughs> proximity. Yeah. Yes, we're in physical proximity, so that's fun. Um, but not too physically approximate. Yeah. I feel like everyone I've talked to is like <laughs> tired. Right. <laughs> everyone's just like tired again, and so I don't know. We're always adjusting to it. But speaking of being tired, Michelle and I were talking about it. It's like when we're out of school, we stay up just as late, if not way <laughs> later. But it's for fun things. Yeah. So it like feels better, yeah. even though we're still absolutely destroyed all day long but during school we stay up super late because of school things and we feel like crap but we blame it on the man so it's, <laughs> the man. it sucks even though I'm staying up till 2am playing whatever Tetris on my phone reading Moby school. that's true yeah I have spent a lot of time this week reading Moby Dick Moby D word <laughs> yeah that one <laughs> I, call, I like to call him Mr. Mosby for short <laughs> uh, how are your classes though they're Got good. Anything I, cool? Anything that we should know about? Anything on the radar? Um, I'm taking a women's literature class, which is mm. is essentially a class on intersectional feminism, like through literature, hmm. um, which is cool. It, it's a class of thirty something girls and me, and one other dude who's also named McKay. 
what? so yeah and so it's it's cool it's cool that i don't know i want to expand my perspective and get better at acknowledging my biases especially with gender especially since getting married it's opened my eyes to a lot of pressures that you just don't you just aren't aware of that are on women that men don't experience so it's um, cool it's a very humbling experience because i'm prideful and think i'm smart so i always want to make comments in my classes but it's a class where i need to just like not speak up as much as my prideful self would want to because i really don't know anything about the experience of these women so the women know more about women's stuff than you you know it was a shock at first if i'm I'm understanding this correctly i try to explain to them that i actually know more about women than they do but it didn't go over well no yeah it's a cool class i'm excited for it actually there's gonna be some really cool and like as an english literature major there's certain female authors that basically become they treat it as if they're the representatives of all female authors rather than having mm. half the books be written by women the way the world is composed so like i've read a bunch of the bronte sisters um because oh. or like jane austen like and they're spectacular authors mm. but but you don't get to delve into maybe these lesser known female authors the way you do with men yeah. so that's why the class is awesome and it's too bad that that these female authors are relegated to just this one class hopefully going forward they end up being more popular but i'll get to read more than just those like staple iconic female written for books. sure yeah so, that's cool know, that'd be cool and yeah i had to read like 150 pages of moby dick this week i've read 40 so i got some catching spark up notes? to do <laughs> yeah spark trying, notes sponsor honestly spark notes is like a drug i'm trying to repent of it because it's <laughs> so easy it's so easy to become dependent and then you can't stand and survive without it so <laughs> if i start spark noting the first week of school i'll never get off i'll be too hooked so i've got to start actually point. reading good i'm, I'm proud of you <laughs> thank you. you you keep repenting you know <laughs> Yeah, if that's my worst sin, I'm not doing too bad, which it's not. <laughs> not my worst sin. <laughs> Spark noting. Is it even a sin? But yeah, it's good. all good. I'm happy to hear that. I mean, that sounds like a really cool class. And women rule. You have to inform Boys me what you learn. Ha. Take, take it back. I just undid all the patriarchy. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> ah, take that <laughs> suck it men <laughs> i guess we solved all the problems <laughs> yeah i guess that's all it took so easy sometimes <laughs> why didn't they try that years ago honestly so easy <laughs> just kidding <laughs> Recently, and by recently I mean like every two to six weeks of the past hundred years of my life. I'm pretty old. I I get reached out to by every upper middle class muscular white dude on my Facebook friends list about the upper middle class of the the twenty to twenty five year olds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like honestly, I, I get yeah. You, I get but, you, I get but I know what you mean. To ask if I want to seek out a new opportunity to potentially sell pest <gasps> control or solar panels this summer and mm. make six figures in three months. Six. That's what they tell me. They offer free pizza. Wow. So, (laughs) I don't know. What are your thoughts about the summer sales? Before you answer, sorry. We live, obviously, like, by a university campus. Yeah. And so it's a very popular job. Job. (laughs) And... (laughs) Can you grow up, please? (laughs) And, like, 
<laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> and so I'm sure this isn't as prolific of an annoyance for non-university students as it is for yeah. us being surrounded by 20 to 25 year olds. But it's like everywhere. Like everyone, I, I know so many people that work summer sales for three months of the year. Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely companies that are bad and there's, I don't know, there's like sketchy stuff, but that could be any business. But yeah. Like generally it's giving these kids a lot of good skills and huh. they're making money which is good for them it's not it's not a bad thing i think it, it like definitely can be annoying to be like yeah. recruited yeah so much but i do enjoy the free meals it's you true, know yeah like, we'll take you out for I've dinner a couple nice dinners like, on, please, on pest control companies. i would love to get dinner and talk about bugs <laughs> <laughs> and yeah because like i have a good buddy of mine that works for this pest control company and it really does seem like a solid gig it doesn't it's not as shady as a lot of the pyramid schemes i get approached about on social media some of the makeup stuff or these like holistic healing methods that seem more bogus like they are selling pest control it's legit they make it pretty clear how their paywall distribution strategy is how the pyramid works it's not a pyramid scheme just a regular old pyramid (laughs) but (laughs) i i don't know it was hard for me because this was a guy that I was close friends with and I mean he may hear this too and so like I trusted him and I knew that he wasn't necessarily lying to me when he's telling me like hey this is actually a really solid company it's a really good opportunity but I also do know that he gets a significant pay premium for getting me to join the company yeah you know and I don't I I, I really do think this guy is really awesome and I really don't think he would you know do something really shady and I do still think that company is probably solid but it's like I don't know. It, the whole system of a pyramid inevitably leads people to push their friends and people they know into something that they probably wouldn't approach them about otherwise out of just the genuine outpouring of love from their heart. They're doing it because they want that extra paycheck that yeah. comes at the end of the year or whatever. I think it's like a mix of both. Like everyone, everyone needs money. Totally. And it's like, hey, bro, this is a way for you to get money. Yeah. But sometimes like it's going to be- benefit me too. And there's people that are definitely straight up about it. Like, yeah. hey, I'm going to make a bonus if you sign on with us. Yeah. But no pressure. Yeah. And like my friend was like that too. He wasn't like covert about it. Yeah. Which is cool. And other people are like pushing you so much. Like join us. Join my team. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, you know, everyone's trying to make a buck. And so, I mean, it is what it is. And like, do I like the system a ton? It's not my favorite thing in the world, but at the end of the day, it's giving these kids, or sorry, these young adults, you know, opportunities to learn and grow and to make money. And sure. I remember last summer you I were considering really close to it. Signing yeah. on. I'm glad I didn't because it ended up being the year of the plague. But honestly, yeah, and like I, I can't say I've like written them off for the future either. You know, I'm not like entirely against it. But I, I guess what's interesting to me about it is I was just thinking about it. It seems like it's almost like so these supervisors or these company owners or whatever they want to motivate these 21 22 year olds to sell a lot obviously and i feel like they've set it up so that it's almost like an extenuation of high school sports culture Mm. like the guys i know that do it it almost feels like high school football the way they talk about it and they've got this weird almost like clickish brotherhood with these other dudes because i don't know any women that do it there are some women that do it but most of them end up not doing it because of this culture they have of this dude bro like we sell for eight hours a day we slam two protein shakes we go to bed (laughs) after drinking two gallons of pre-workout and we wake up swole and we go slam doors in another 10 hours a day and we walk home in september with three hundred thousand dollars in our pocket it's like i totally respect it because i I respect it the same way i respect high school football i played high school football i love it i love the lessons it taught me 
and it like you said it taught me lessons of hard work and like Mm -hmm. resilience but it's tough for me the way and there's obviously it's not general there's exceptions but just some of the dudes are just so annoying (laughs) i don't know (laughs) that could be like any business but i I definitely get like that culture and stuff like the people that i like really bug me there's like okay so the other day i was at walmart i just needed uh, some bread for a sandwich land. la tierra prometida i was just looking for some gluten-free bread if you're a gluten-free bread company hit me up um <laughs> yeah we'll take some sponsorships <laughs> what am i gluten-free dairy-free i'm your guy so yeah so i'm like trying to figure out what's what's the best price gluten-free bread because i was just trying to make a sandwich the next day because right. i was going skiing and as I walked into Walmart in the produce section, I turned and I saw a strange looking man. This this guy was wearing these strange robes, like, would you call them? <laughs> Did he have a big hat on? A beard? <laughs> no. Okay, okay, okay. He's wearing I, some I like, had an idea who it might have been, but we'll just we'll just move past that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> no, that's not him. <laughs> he's wearing these like killed him years ago. <laughs> <laughs> these like loafers, these like blue pleated down the middle, cotton blue slacks. Okay, okay. And he had a, he had a red sweater. Oh, and, or no, a red sweater vest. Whoa, aggressive. And then a orange cardigan, and then a brown twill suit jacket on top of that. Wow, you committed that. He was very he well was to memory. Yeah. Well, I was just like why is this guy dressing up so much totally, to go yeah. to walmart i don't even know what twill is it's nice it's like wool i think i'm saying it right <laughs> it's like like woolish foolish you've seen fantastic mr fox yeah you know his jacket that he has sure okay well that's what it looked <laughs> like i'm like he was wearing clothes <laughs> i don't remember it like a jacket that wes anderson would wear if you know who he is sure and if you don't you should i'm like okay that dude's uh dressing up for walmart okay, okay. and then i was like that's kind of weird and then i just went about trying to find my bread trying to get this bread mm. and <laughs> so i'm exchange just bread for bread <laughs> uh, so they say <laughs> so i was like looking at these breads and like evaluating the prices and everything because i was just like curious like which one is the cheapest the different um, the bread units <laughs> i would like four breads please there's only like three options three, <laughs> like, three breads <laughs> <laughs> then he like he like turns the corner from behind me and he's like wow you really like those shoes don't you and i was like uh i'm like yeah like they're my go-to's i'm just going to walmart yeah yeah, yeah. and they're pretty beat up but they're nice they look nice still sure what shoes were you wearing the the white low blazers with the pink swoosh okay okay and he's like a pink swoosh i've never seen that before are those like special or something and i was like this guy knows nothing about shoes and <laughs> let me let me take him to school I'm like um i don't think I'm go- so i'm gonna learn you something today <laughs> fancy man <laughs> i'm like they're just some some nike sbs like i don't know yeah and he's like oh wow i really like them a lot and then he like kept trying to talk about shoes but he didn't know stuff about shoes uh, and then he just I kept going and he's like me and my wife are going to school and then i'm from japan basically just proceeds to tell me his whole life story uh, okay and then it gets into he like will it leave pauses but would just like stand there like waiting for me yeah, like yeah perpetuate the conversation say something i was like i answer the question and then he just would stand there i'm like what about you like <laughs> gosh like can you leave me alone i'm just trying yeah. to trying to get this bread <laughs> then he goes in like what are your like life plans and goals like what do you want from your life and i was like oh gosh i was like i just want to be happy 
<laughs> and you can help with that by leaving me alone. <laughs> I just want to make a flexible six-figure income from home on my own time. I want to work for myself. That's what you told him? I should have. I yeah. should have. No, he was going to bring it up inevitably. But yeah, sure. and then he was like, yeah, like my wife and I, we want land. And we're working with this couple to like help <laughs> we us. We want land. And he mentioned we the couple. F- we want fealty. <laughs> <laughs> the couple is the key word. And I was like, okay. oh, 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 no, here we go. Oh, and man. then he like kept going to life plans and school and education. Yeah. And then at the end, he's like, you know, you're you're a pretty solid guy. Um, I could see you as you a solid like, fit for uh, my my for coworkers. This, yeah, it's like you know, me and my wife are seeing this 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 couple, uh, as I mentioned before, um, and I really think think that they could help you, you know, with your life plans and move yeah, forward. Yeah, and I was like, you son of a gun! It's like <laughs> Just punch him right I in the face you. right then. Like, I hate you so much right now. What's that over there? <laughs> I was so mad. I was like. You literally took up ten minutes yeah, of my time to get to garbage. this. I was like, oh I mean, my gosh. That's the, world, I was like, that's the world we live in. Is that's the only reason anyone approaches someone at a grocery right? store? To yeah, chat I was like, oh, nice guy. They want to put them at the bottom. You didn't even call, like really compliment scheme. my shoes. Just like, wow, you've really worn out those shoes. I'm like, jeez, man. Um, but I'm like, I'm good, bro. Like, I'm on a good path. I yeah. got my own thing going. Like, I'm set. Like, or I'm like poor, but like. I, I know what I need to do right, right now right. to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading books to figure it out. <laughs> and, um, La Santa so anyway, this is like so annoying. And then I was like, I'm leaving. Like, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go check on the spread on this other aisle. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows Walmart only has one bread aisle. So I was, I was like so mad. Like, I was shaky. I'm out. I'm like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Get me done. But yeah, these like people always mention this couple. Like, oh, there's this couple, and like I had one guy I used to sell for AT and T and DirecTV over the phones. But this one coworker that I had, he was like, "What are your plans? Like, why are you here working?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna like retire at 30." And I was like, "Wow, what are you gonna do for 60 years?" Like, yeah, like, <laughs> all right. Well, how are you gonna get there? And he's like, "Oh, I'm working with this couple, and they're gonna help me, like, you know." I'm gonna retire at 30. I'm like, okay, but how? Like, who's this couple? What's yeah, Donnie and Marie? <laughs> <laughs> the only ones I can think of that could have this kind of power. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, these people always like mention the couple, but they'll never mention like what they actually do. Yeah, they never say what the product is or what the business yeah. is. They so say like, like, I'm like I kept like asking how, and he like got defensive. And I was yeah. like, oh, like can't trust you. And so like, these people are like giving people money in hopes to make money, but it's just so sketchy yeah it's a pyramid like, it's what's like, your money's involved you only make money by getting other people hired and so yeah, it, it just turns swag. you into this parasite this isn't summer sales this is mlm and it's sad because these, these these people are trying like they're very outgoing and very friendly like oh cool like this person wants to strike up a conversation and be nice and yeah. then there's like this couple how would well, you like to make more money and, and it's like everything about them becomes tainted because like yeah, yeah they seem like well, this happened to us right after we got married actually not you and me but you and michelle yeah yeah <laughs> that's a very different story um <laughs> just kidding <laughs> we were at target picking up so we had we got a bunch of target gift cards when we got married so we were just buying like spatulas and kitchen stuff mm, spatulas. and this guy comes to talk to me and he like he seemed so nice. He was so chill. It seemed like such a natural conversation. And I was very naive as to the ways of the multi-level uh, marketing companies at the time. And so we set up a second meeting. We went and met with him. He gave us a book to read, whatever, him and his wife. They were members. He was diabetic like I am. And like we had, had some genuine conversations. 
And then, so like, he sat us down, he took us to this restaurant a few days later, and he sat us down, and he gave us this quote-unquote interview. He said, hey, I just want to see if you have the kind of mindset that would fit well with me and my partners, because we're trying to hire right now. Me and my partners? And I'm like, yeah, I'm broken. I don't want to miss my career. Weird. So I was like, okay, cool, yeah. Like <laughs> I, I have zero money. Well, and after, yeah, and after the first time we talked we to him, help. we're like, okay, we don't know what he does at all. He didn't share that very well, but he was a nice enough guy, member of yeah. my same church. You know, like, it's worth, like, meeting him in this public place and chatting about it because i am open to new ways to make money and so he gave us this interview he's like i'm open to new investments <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's my opportunities um but he was like would you say that you are problem oriented or solution oriented I'm like kind of vague whatever questions like that like, what are you getting at where there's no right answer yeah, you know yeah. and there was a bunch of them and then so a few days later i had the idea to just like google some of those questions and i found like the complete transcript of that interview online oh man and just like literally hundreds of thousands of people getting the same garbaggio <laughs> from mlm people all over that's um, an advanced spanish word you just used yeah you're welcome <laughs> and it's just so garbage because then it just ruined everything thing he had done he had been such yeah. a genuinely cool guy i felt like but now even if he is a genuinely nice guy wherever that guy is out there and his wife will also seem nice like it doesn't it, i can't draw the line between where the sales pitch ends and the man begins yeah like everything about him and and like we were just at target he was just probably there to pick up some flavored popcorn or something Maybe he like, was trying to get the bread yeah <laughs> for real and it's like i just can't imagine living that life where you have to always have like your parasite turned on you know, like you see like two young people that look broke. You want to strike up a conversation at any time with anybody. Yeah. And you've already probably raked over your Facebook friends and your family trying to get them to work with you. And well, it's, the problem is that at that point you are your business, yeah. you know, and, and, and if you own a business, like you essentially are to a degree, right? but, but something you genuinely and, believe in at that point, yeah, I feel like, it's it's an like I built this and like, you know, we have a guy back home who has a sushi restaurant. Sure. His name's Taro. If you're in the greater Sacramento area, please go to Makuni it's deal bomb but I'm sold already anyways like he he's just a super genuine very kind guy it gives back to the community a lot and everyone yeah. knows him yeah and you know we were talking to him he's like you know like my my relationships is my business he's like these people will come to my restaurant because like they're my friends right yeah and they want to support me and he's like that's beautiful yeah you know and it's all coming from a place of sincerity too. totally like he actually cares and he wants to be a part and help the community yeah and, and his business cool. isn't convincing pe- like suckering people into this shady business that he's not being clear about mm-hmm. his business is giving them a, like being completely open and honest like i have this restaurant i'm giving this product i really believe in it i care about it and i care about you and like i think you'd enjoy it whereas with this ML- these mlm guys it's the whole business is like subterfuge and and not being clear about anything that you're really sharing. I feel like I can get a straight answer to this guy for the life of me. There is no real product. The product is getting more people to buy into this non-existent product. It's just wild. It's just tough. And it's like, I, I have... It's not tangible. Yeah, like we were saying, like, yeah. it's not tangible. It's this, is it a service? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, it just, depends to this day, on what they're I don't doing, know what that guy does. We have no idea what they're doing. Like, we next time we're approached, we should try to infiltrate the system. Yeah. I just want to talk to this couple and then, and, well then there's the other ones there's mary Kay essential oils where it's mm. obvious what they're selling yeah but at the same time it's still the same pyramid so it's a little bit less shady 
I don't know. They just always give those pitches. I see the ads all the time where it's like, you can make $650,000 a year like this lady. And it's like, okay, true. That lady is making $600,000 a year selling essential oils. But that's because she's up at the top of the pyramid where the Egyptian slaves carried her while they were burying their, their worshipped pharaoh. It's 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 that one-tenth of one percent that actually makes a livable wage off of these things. And the yeah. only way you get there is by pushing the other 99% into the pyramid below you. You know, She had to establish those thousands and thousands of people that have trickled down from where she is from the start. Yeah. So if you are approached by very kind people, I hope they're sincere. But if yeah. they seem sketchy, if they mention the couple or <laughs> if they say Donnie Marie's money, name one time, <laughs> you run. No, if they seem like they're leaning towards like they're about to make a sales pitch, just kiss them on the lips right then and run out of the store. Or go like go along with it. Infiltrate yeah. it and report back to us we would love to hear about your experience Uh, make sure you like comment and subscribe (laughs) (laughs) smash that like button if you want (laughs) we're YouTubers smash that like bucket (laughs) like bucket super long commercial break from all of our sponsors <laughs> yeah <laughs> hours and hours of them thanks again lululemon for the pants <laughs> they feel so nice on my body <laughs> thanks mcrib for the pants you sent me <laughs> my favorite sponsor and travis if i dare say yeah and and little, little travis scott he's in cactus us, jack sent he me he sent us pants made of his burger <laughs> Oh, anyways, kind of wanted to talk a little bit about horror, scary, what? scary things, what? creepy things. So yeah, you Wild had me. Things. You had me watch an episode of Atlanta. So yes. before we talk about the specific episode, give me a 15 second premise of Atlanta. I've only watched this one episode. It's season two, episode six. So it's it's not the ideal way to start a show. It's, but yeah. give our give our listeners who probably all may have not seen it either a 15 yeah. second just right. premise of the show. Um, so Atlanta is a show about a rapper in Atlanta. And his cousin, oh. who is his manager, and his friend, Darius, who is like okay. a stoner, super funny, very deep conspiracy theorist guy. Yeah. And they're just chilling. But it kind of shows him becoming popular and trying to deal with kind of like this new fame-ish uh-huh. and dealing with that. And it like interweaves surrealism with reality. And you don't know what's real or not. And it's very strange and unusual, but they use it in a way to teach concepts and teach things about the black experience and what's like being black in America. It's by Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Troy from Community. A.k.a. the guy that gets spiderwebbed to the car in the parking garage in Spider-Man Far From Home. A.k.a. Lando. From, oh yeah, Lando Calrissian from yeah. from Solo. Solo. Okay, so this episode was also AK's about Darius. 
I didn't give you a whole lot of context for the sure. episode, but this this episode was the main reason why I wanted to check out and kind of explore Atlanta and what it had to offer. Okay. Essentially, in the episode, Darius is saw an ad listing for Fruit Piano. He mm-hmm. takes a U-Haul and he drives up to this big spooky mansion to pick up this piano. He This guy opens the door. To me, it was pretty apparent that it was a black guy in white face. Like it, it kind of looked like Michael Jackson, but a little bit more creepy, a little more extreme. Yeah. And so that's Teddy Perkins is this man. And Darius goes in the house. It seems like Teddy Perkins is stalling. He, he just wants to like sit and chat. There's this really long, like 90 second sequence where he creepily cracks open a soft boiled ostrich egg. And like <laughs> anything he does is creepy just because he has this like thick mask on, it seems. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You just don't know what's going on. So that's, yeah, that's kind of. And he, and he forgets things too like Darius will say something and he like forgets about it yeah. and then you just like don't know what his intentions are and yeah. Yeah. Or like you're, just, point, you're just kind of like, it's just eerie. At one point, Darius asks for a glass of water, and Teddy Perkins is like, okay. And he leans over and pushes a button on this intercom, and he says, Darius would like a glass of water when you have a moment. And then, like 10 minutes later, Darius is like, hey, it doesn't seem like your butler has gotten the water yet. And then Teddy Perkins is like, oh, I don't have a butler. I just use this to remember things. And he pushes the button, and it just plays it back to him. And he's like, oh, okay. And he like walks out of the room and gets some water. And it's like, yeah. weird and like kind of funny, but like just freaky enough where you don't know if you should be laughing or if you should be worried exactly. about what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very unsettling. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know that either of us has like extensive horror experience. Mm-hmm. And so what, what is it about this episode that like piqued your interest? So like, I, I guess this is a quick summary. Darius ends up meeting Teddy Perkins's brother. There's some question throughout the episode whether his brother even actually exists he keeps talking about him ultimately the end of the episode wait Teddy, i don't know if we want to see. okay i won't spoil it it's scary though but yes yeah, so what what is it about this episode that piqued your interest that was interesting to you so basically how i found out about this episode was that teddy perkins was actually played by donald glover right yeah i did that um, google search as well afterwards <laughs> which is like i don't know it's just it's very creepy but then something interesting is that i think it was the 2018 emmy awards okay teddy perkins was actually there oh, at the awards he dresses teddy perkins no but donald glover was there too oh what and then in the credits on the episode teddy perkins is self-cast oh my gosh as himself Freaky. so they're like further even perpetuating like, perpetu- this idea yeah, 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 that he's you. real yeah. <laughs> yeah and that you know and the, the idea of the inner linking of uh reality and surrealism I was just very intrigued by that idea. I was like, I have to watch this episode. And I was just so eerie. I thought him as a character was very interesting because this, this Teddy Perkins character, as as Darius is staying in his mansion, and he finds out more about this piano and that his dad would basically beat him and his brother to like keep playing and practicing. And he's like, oh, it was just a sacrifice that needed to be made for us to be successful in the future. And now we have this. Basically, this character is based off of Michael Jackson, loosely interesting because michael jackson's dad was abusive and Uh crazy he wanted his kids to be successful and apparently michael jackson's dad was like he told him before he was about to perform he's like hey i got snipers in the rafter and if you if you miss a step like they will shoot 
Whoa. Like threatening them. I had no them. idea. That's awful. And apparently that's like a, a pretty common thing with not just like black fathers, but like fathers who like threatening their kids to perform well in sports or in music or whatever so they can be successful and make yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, Either, it yeah. It kind of reminded me of two of uh, the Shia LaBeouf movie okay. uh, honey boy honey boy yes thank yeah. you that dad and kind son. of this toxic it's like the yeah. dad wants the best for his son but it becomes toxic because the success almost becomes more important than the son himself yeah, i feel like exactly yeah and so it kind of in a, in a way this episode portrays michael jackson and shows kind of his struggles of what he's going through what's the line that Teddy perkins says he says anything this is what he believes after this childhood of abuse anything that's beautiful must come from pain Mm-hmm. And so at the end, he's like, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but he's physically threatening Darius at some point. And Darius is like, hey, like, that's not true. Sometimes beautiful <laughs> things come from love. And he's trying to kind of talk him through, like, he's had dad issues before and these sorts of things. And it's, it's interesting to me, too, the depiction of Teddy Perkins. The the connection to Michael Jackson is interesting. I can't say I thought about it. I, I watched this like three hours ago. Yeah. I can't say I thought about it quite as much as that. I just kept thinking about the reversal of blackface. And, I mean, we're we're two white dudes. I can't say we are qualified to make any grandiose comments about the racial tensions of this year. But Mm. blackface has definitely been a hot topic for the past couple of years. A lot of people have lost their careers over periods of blackface. Blackface is an awful thing. I think it's pretty inexcusable. But it's really interesting to me to see this black creator, Donald Glover, choosing to put on whiteface but also at the same time not publicly stating that's him doing it like like you said in the credits he's not credited as playing teddy perkins yeah and so they're kind of trying to perpetuate the surrealist image like this is an actual guy and then from the the pictures that you see in the mansion you see that he was black yeah. before yeah and so for the like continuing the connection to michael jackson and it's kind of to symbolize how kind of scarring his childhood was and that development trying to get away from that but he's he's trying to move away from it with his physical appearance and everything but he also remembers it and can connect the past to his success that he now has. For me, it's just sad to kind of think about Michael Jackson and his life and kind of getting through Teddy Perkins in a weird way. We're learning about Michael Jackson, who, I mean, creepy dude yeah, totally. later on, too. Yeah. And so from that perspective, it was very interesting and intriguing to me. And there's like a lot of other connections. But I think none of this has been confirmed by Donald Glover yeah. and the writers it's all open to interpretation but they make so many references throughout mm-hmm. this episode that kind of give us a glimpse into these these people who have had sketchy or rough relationships with their fathers and how they try to move on and move forward with that yeah i just thought it's so very it's, intriguing what's interesting to me is like the use of horror as a vehicle for these sorts of messages mm. it's something that jordan peele has kind of popularized last few years with yeah. get out and us is that what it's called yeah another one um i haven't seen them but i want to but they seem like they might be too scary for me and i'm a big baby so i don't know <laughs> if i'll watch them but but like the the messaging and like the writing seems really interesting it's totally. interesting to me the use of horror as that vehicle because i feel like for so long this is total speculation and i'm very unqualified read the podcast description if you want to see how qualified i am unqualified (laughs) 
but like these oppressed minorities women black people you know hispanics um lgbtq they've used comedy as kind of a way to make their voice heard because it's a way to get the attention of widespread audiences who generally write them off because of their minority status Hmm. like i feel like women that are popular on the internet they're usually only popular if they are kind of using their bodies to get popular if they're attractive or if they're funny yeah but you see lots of guys doing it getting the same audience without either of those things and so kind of the same thing applying to black people like a lot of the most famous african-american what do you think about jordan peele and donald glover they both started off in comedy yeah Yeah, neither of them made these aggressive horror or like political messages without starting with years of comedy under their belts oh that's so interesting it's interesting how horror kind of has this ability i i again like have hardly partaken of this genre (laughs) and so i guess that's why the examples of it that i have seen are so poignant to me because it has this way of penetrating because like a well-written scary visual media like a scary movie or a scary tv show episode like this it has such a way of hanging on to your emotions and like they they have you wrapped around their finger in a sense so in what in which the director and the writer and the actors are just holding you there and being able to masterfully interweave these social um, issues and these human rights issues and all these issues into kind of that emotional tension of horror I think it's really interesting I don't know it, it, it's hard because like you're going to write off a large portion of your potential audience because it is horror and like this episode or like Jordan Peele's movies they're freaky I probably won't see them in the foreseeable future because there are images I don't want to see and have in my head you know yeah but I, but I do want to intake those messages that they're trying to distribute so it's an interesting decision on their part to do it that way and it's harder to write off than it would be if it was being distributed comedically because mm-hmm. i think of uh, election night dave Chappelle did the snl monologue he was the host that mm-hmm. week. it wasn't election night it was election week and he was i don't know if you've watched it he's who's he very aggressive in his address of you know social issues of racism of power imbalance between white majority and black minorities and how much that was at stake in this presidential election we had but people will write that off because it was comedy and it was funny like i laughed a lot of it and so it's interesting how horror kind of has this different potential mm. to give those messages in a way that can't be written off as easily as a comedic monologue yeah no that's super interesting i think with with horror it's such a one you're senses are heightened but yeah, your emotions too weeping like a child <laughs> such you know a baby. you're just like you're on point like you are you're focused yeah when yeah, things are scary away. yeah you're like yeah. oh shoot like i might die right now <laughs> and you're, but you're scanning every corner of the screen because you're waiting for something yeah to happen yeah in a way that i don't because when i watch something funny i'm often on my phone because i can listen and enjoy it without necessarily having to be watching every detail of the composition of the shots but horror yeah. it's like you're zeroed in until i'm closing my eyes because i don't want to see what's going to happen and just when you when you go through something scary yourself in real life you're so much better to empathize and understand events going on mm. that are similar to that that's a good you're, point you really you you felt that you felt that fear and i never really thought about it in a way of teaching but i feel like you know scary movies have, have done well 
they usually are able to drive a point very very well yeah because you're so invested into it it almost demands your attention you know yeah through music i can't or let whatever, it be but... playing in the background while i'm cooking or anything like i'm either watching or i'm watching something else because uh-huh. it's an experience at least for me yeah. yeah 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 i hadn't thought about it that way it's kind of a it can be a path to empathy in mm-hmm. a way like i've read jordan peele talking about get out the movie yeah. that came out a couple years ago and I've read a lot about the the story of the movie. I'm still not haven't built up the courage to watch it, but <laughs> I've read about the story because it seems so interesting to me. But he said that he wanted to use that movie to make white audiences feel the way it feels to be a black man surrounded by white people. And from what I understand, it part of the movie is like body snatching and like he's going to this girlfriend's family's house and he's scared for his life. And mm. I don't know, I don't know a, lot, a ton about it, but. It's just interesting to me the way he's able to use horror as a way to show people what it feels like to be in the shoes of this huge demographic in America. One thing I wanted to bring up, I kind of want to talk about Jojo Rabbit, because I feel like Jojo Rabbit, it's a comedy, but yet it helps you empathize. Yeah, I think that's it an example about the same of comedy teaching. doing a similar thing. Yeah. You know, they both can be used and be very effective. Yeah. But I think the, the horror genre can... It just heightens that even more. Yeah, it depends more. on and what the kind comedy, of message you're trying how to spread. well it's written. Like Taika Waititi, like killed it on that movie. Like, yeah, phenomenal, right? And you know, if done right, it can be a powerful platform. But yeah, because Taika Waititi in Jojo Rabbit isn't trying to make us feel fear. He doesn't want us to know what it feels like to be driven to the concentration camps. Mm-hmm. There are movies that have done that before. What he's trying to do, and I, I mean, this is me speculating. This is my idea from when I watched it. He's trying to help us see the humanity in these evil people Mm. Um, not so that we should write off what they did but understand that Nazis aren't just two dimensional evil people but they're real people just like us that were led down this path to do really evil things and so it can happen to anybody and people can act like that because I feel like we see them as this caricaturesque cartoonish villain Hitler is just purebred evil every bone of his body is evil but it's like no he wanted to go to art school he's a normal ish guy who le- went down this path that led him to do a absolutely horrifically awful thing and Taika Waititi is showing us that like that's not an impossible level of evil to attain and we have to make choices that won't lead us down that path I don't know that's like yeah, a yeah, super yeah. ideological like cliche way to think oh, about it but, but that's kind of a message he's spreading and that works better with comedy because comedy made me laugh alongside like these little kids about like this goofy Hitler youth leader guy you know <laughs> who ended up like doing some good things at the end of the movie but he was still you know a Hitler youth leader and so it it introduces this sort of nuance and conflict whereas before it was so black and white good and evil that helps us to draw conclusions that I feel like are more applicable to our life that's the same thing like with Atlanta and Donald Glover it's not just as black and white as people put it as like political radicalization and partisanship makes it seem there's nuance here and you you can't just assume other people are racist I'm not racist I've never said a mean thing to a black person. You know, I have two black friends. They're cool, so I'm not a racist. It's like, no, everyone has biases. Everyone has prejudices that they've been socialized to have inside them growing up, growing up in a society, wherever you live, to some extent or another. And so it's like, it's it's attainable and it's relatable to everybody and you have to apply it in your own life.
Thank you for listening to Opinions That No One Asked For or Otnof. Otnof is hosted by me, Jordan Sittard, and McKay Menden, who also did the editing. Original music for this week was done by Tyson Sittard. If you're feeling lonely, tell Alexa to play Opinions That No One Asked For. We're your family now. Go clean your room, please. No! We'll see you next week. (laughs) 